that's better. Just need to get my phone out, which is my Bible. Shouldn't have put the mic in the same pocket as my phone. All right, there we go. Well, we are starting this uh, series on uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, chapters 5 through 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. And and uh, I've actually been reading in my personal time in, in Matthew, and I'm, I'm further along there. And he uh, starts another sermon at, at a beach. And I'm like, why don't we call that the Sermon on the Beach? But it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, I, that sounds cool. And I wondered if Matthew uh, does that intentionally, uh, how many... I haven't really investigated into that, but uh, as I was reading, I was like, "This could be sermon on the beach," and so, uh, but uh, so yeah, we'll we'll be reading uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, five one through twelve today. So if you'll turn there with with me, seeing the crowds, he went up uh, on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, as as we begin to uh, start this series, as we begin to look at your word, uh, I do pray that uh, you would just open it up for us and that uh, we would be obedient to whatever you have for us through your word. Uh, Father, please unpack it. Help us to understand it. Help us to uh, gain a greater knowledge and a greater commitment and a greater zeal uh, for your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is is quite powerful. It's quite packed. I, I, I remember in college, I, I became uh, uh, kind of enamored with it. And uh, and I uh, my goal was to memorize it, and I failed. Uh, but I remember writing it out by hand. Uh, I don't know if I still have it, but I wrote the whole thing out by hand, and that was kind of special. And and uh, and then uh, I don't know if it was because of Bonhoeffer's book, or then later I ran across Bonhoeffer. But one of his his most famous books, The Cost of Discipleship, is centered around just studying the Sermon on the Mount, and and it's it's a it's a very powerful three chapters. And so uh, if if uh, if you're interest is peaked, I encourage you, go home and, and read it and, and let it uh, and, and capture your soul as well. Um, but uh, I had a friend in college, uh, his name was Luke, and, and he was, 
he was fascinated by the word blessed. Uh, uh, the Hebrew word, uh, I know, maybe Greek too, but, but I know uh, the Hebrew word for sure. And, and what fascinated him, and, and what I didn't really get, but he just kept bringing it up again and again and so, until finally I was like, you know, he's got a point, uh, is that when, when, when you pry, apply this uh, Hebrew word that we translate into blessed to God, it's, it's always about magnifying his name, you know, and in fact, the second song we sang, thank you, Danny, uh, the songs you picked were perfect. Uh, the second song we sang is all about blessing God's name, because the reality is that's all we can do. You know, uh, he, there's nothing that we can give him that, that isn't already his uh, to begin with, and, and, and really, uh, uh, that's that's all we can do and his name is great but really when we bless God's name it's it's we're trying to make it greater in our own lives and and then thusly through to others as well because the reality is uh, uh, much as C.S. Lewis uh, kind of mentions in Aslan when one of the characters in a later book says Aslan you've grown and he says no I haven't you just know me better you know, and I kind of summarize, but, but C.S. Lewis is teaching us that, that God is the same, but as we grow, we understand just how great He is, and He becomes bigger. And, and so that's all we could do, and he was fascinated. And then when that same Hebrew word was used in context of human beings, it was always material wealth, material things, uh, because let's face it, there's nothing worthy in ourselves. Um, and, and really, when God blesses us, He's not going to magnify our name because it's not worth magnifying. But He gives us material blessings. And so He's just fascinated by this word that, depending on who it was pointed at, uh, changed how it was used. And, and so, I, 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 you know, I don't know how much bearing that has on today, but blessed is kind of the central word of this passage and uh, uh, Stephen offered uh, he told me about his idea and he asked if I would uh, be on board with participating and I said yeah that'd be great because I, I love to preach and and then he said do you want to start us off and and then I realized oh the Beatitudes and I was like, oh, I, I don't know about that, you know. And, and, and then I realized that was my fleshly human uh, nature and I needed to fight against it. And I said, sure, I'll do it, you know. And because and, my, my brain knew there is so much there. But then when I get to what to say, I'm like, I don't know what to say. And, uh, but there is so much there. And, and as I began to prepare for this, uh, hopefully I will scratch the surface. And, and if I don't scratch it enough, the challenge is to, to uh, keep it going, to lay the groundwork. Because really, uh, you, you, Matthew, uh, this is the first actual teaching of Jesus, uh, other than his introductory statement. This is his first big sermon, his first teaching that's laying the groundwork in Matthew. And, and uh, all the Gospels talk about the kingdom of heaven and, and, and have this emphasis on the kingdom. But Matthew, more than the other Gospel writers, really likes to highlight the kingdom of heaven. That was a central theme of Matthew. And, and in fact, uh, you know, uh, uh, chapters 1 and 2 or the genealogy 
and the Christmas story. And then three is, is John the Baptist. And, and it says that John the Baptist starts off his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then, uh, you know, you have the, the baptism, and then Jesus has uh, his, uh, his uh, uh, temptation and calling of the disciples. And then the exact same summary statement of the beginning of his ministry, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in this, this first section on the Sermon on the Mount, and there's going to be more because uh, uh, Stephen already mentioned uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer and the Kingdom of Heaven is mentioned there. And, and so it's, it's all throughout Matthew's Gospel. And, and once you get kind of clued into it, you, you see it everywhere. But, but just in this first section, the Kingdom of Heaven is mentioned two more times. And so my brain knows... This is the foundation, you know, and, and so often I just read through the Beatitudes, check it off, yes, that's true, <laughs> totally agree with you, God, and I move on. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but this is the foundation that Jesus laid down, that, that Matthew uh, uh, gives to us for his entire ministry, because Jesus is all about ushering in the kingdom of heaven and and our entrance into the kingdom of heaven is by repentance by faith in christ jesus asking him to forgive us and be our lord and savior and so the kingdom of heaven is at hand meaning it's just right there but it could be right here and all it takes is repentance. Because if you stop and ask, when did, when did the disciples' relationship begin with Jesus? It, it began the moment he called them. You know, and, and uh, they lived in a unique time because the church wasn't established yet and the Spirit hadn't been given yet. But now uh, it's, it's all kind of a package deal. And, and, and the kingdom of heaven is still at hand, but it's, it's already here. And, and as Christians, we've, hopefully we've, we've had that moment of faith where we've repented and we've, we've put our trust in Jesus. And, and we live in this already not yet reality of, of these beatitudes. And, and, and they're here now. They're not, they're not just almost there. Because you, you get this feeling that, that when the Jews first heard it, they're like, okay. The, the kingdom is about to be here. We're, we're this close. No, it's here. It's Jesus. Uh, because the kingdom has a king. And it starts with the king. And so, uh, uh, just a side note, uh, you know, to get us in, starting in, in chapter 5. Uh, he, he goes up on the mountain. And, and some commentators thought that might have been idiomatic. Uh, but, but I think it was a real mountain. Um, just from the practicality of it, uh, you know, uh, your voice carries. He was above them. He sat down to let them know he's about to teach. That was very cultural in their day. That's what what rabbis and teachers would often do, and and that's just just that's a fun little trivia bit. Uh, I had a professor in seminary who had Crohn's disease. Crohn's Crohn's. I never know what which one how that's called, but he had that disease. And, and so he always sat at his desk and taught the whole class period. And, and your brain's going, something's not right. Because all my other professors would stand and write on the chalkboard or the blackboard or the whiteboard. And, and, uh, and, 
and, and your brain's going, something's not right. He's just sitting the whole time, you know, and, and it was because of his health, um, you know, and, and so there's just cultural norms, and so they knew right away that Jesus was about to smack down some wisdom on them. And, uh, and so this, this is truly wise indeed. And, and, uh, and I, I, I looked at some of the translations, and, and some of them will say, and he began to teach, saying, which really, I, you know, I think really lessens what Matthew is going for, because he says, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And, and some of them kind of take that as an idiomatic statement, but but I think that really lessens because I I just right off the bat when and he opened his mouth I'm thinking the prophets were the mouth of God they brought the word of God to the people this is God Himself bringing His word to us and and just to you know just to lessen it right there is is a little sad and and then and and then we get to this word blessed and uh, some translations uh, translated happy. Um, and and I even looked up the word beatitude because it's it's not in there, but it's called the beatitudes. And I was like, why is it called the beatitudes if that word's not in there? And then and you go and you look at Webster and some of the other other people, and and some of the definitions even involve the blessed sayings from the Sermon on the Mount, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's not helpful. And uh, but other other definitions talk about this bliss and and uh ultimate bliss even some said and 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 so i i think uh you know that's what the ones that say bliss or happy are trying to get at because uh you know sometimes blessed just oh blessed oh, be blessed bless you you know and and but as i began to think about it in the context of this is the groundwork for kingdom living this is the groundwork for entrance into the kingdom. This is the groundwork for, for, for everything else that's going to come later in Matthew and Jesus' ministry. Blessed is, is better than, than any other word. It, it just doesn't translate very well. And, and because I think blessed uh, more than happy or bliss or any of those joy, uh, blessed has this just automatic connotation that it's from God. And, and, and really, uh, you, you, maybe you've heard even someone say kind of the B attitudes. The, these are attitudes we should be, the B attitudes, which is true. <laughs> but again, I think that waters it down, um, you know, because uh, we can't change our heart. That's a work of God. Ezekiel says, uh, uh, you know, in his vision and, and about the renewal of Israel one day that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that, that Jesus will remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and put his spirit within us. That was, that was like a big promise from Ezekiel. And we can't do that. And I forget which prophet just popped in my head, but it's a common saying in our society. Uh, can a leopard change its spots? And most people don't say the next part because it's un-PC. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? And, and it's a resounding no, they can't. <laughs> but then it goes on to say that God can. God is in the business of changing hearts. And he's the only one that can do it. And, and this is what the Beatitudes are laying down of kingdom living, kingdom character, the kingdom heart for the citizens of the kingdom. And, and the kingdom starts with a king. And I think uh, you look at the first one. We're going to try and go through them real quick. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it starts with that, uh, the connection to the whole kingdom of heaven, the whole groundwork of the heart and what, what Jesus is looking for. And, and this isn't something that we should strive for. This is something that we're given. And then we should live up to it. And, and it's, I, I, I've said it like this, this already not yet. This is, you know, uh, you see it in Paul's letters of, of you know, uh, Ephesians is a great example. The first three chapters talk about uh, uh, who we are in Christ because we have Christ, our identity in Christ. And then the last three chapters are, are kind of the practical living out of Christ in our lives, you know. So, uh, and, and, and it's almost like, like, Paul is saying, this is who we are in Christ, now live like it. <laughs> and, and, and we're like, well, which is it? Yes, is what Paul would say. You know, and, and, uh, and it's, it's like explaining to your, uh, your child, you know, uh, we're smiths. Uh, uh, this is what it means to be a smith. A smith is a, a hardworking, a trustworthy uh, person, and, and this is who we are. But as you grow up, this is who you need to be. This is who you learn to be. And so it's, it's who we are, but it's also who we strive to be at the exact same time. But if it doesn't start with the heart that God gives us, all our strivings are for naught. And blessed is the poor in spirit. And uh, there, there's a, a lot of references you could look up, but I, I think one of the best ones was from Isaiah um, 61. Okay, um, but uh, I'm just going to summarize because it, it's it's not uh, it's real tiny on my screen right here, <laughs> and uh, but it talked about uh, uh, the gospel will be proclaimed to the poor, and uh, a lot of commentators uh, spoke about the pious poor, uh, and and in fact when when. John the Baptist has his moment of doubt when he's in prison and he's like, did I do this all for naught? Uh, go check with Jesus. <laughs> Just want to double check here. And, and that's, that's exactly what Jesus uh, relates back to John, that, that the, the, the gospel is being proclaimed to the poor, uh, people, the, the, the sick are being healed, and, and all these other things that, that Isaiah prophesied. And I, I've, I've heard people talk about spiritually poor. And, and, and I think this is a reference uh, to the kind of people that can enter the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, uh, uh, if you think about financially poor, the, the literally uh, the poor in our life, their focus is all about how they can not be poor anymore. You know, they might decide to panhandle on the corner or they're, they're going to try something else. But, but And unfortunately, uh, you don't have to be poor to be consumed by the love of money. But, but it's just, how can I meet, meet my ends today? How can I not be poor anymore? How can I get what I need? And Jesus is saying, blessed are the spiritually poor. And... And where else could we go to get that need but to God himself? You know, the, the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6 uh, over is starts with God. 
His kingdom come, His will be done. Who He is and, and then His will on this earth. And, and the poor in spirit uh, uh, need God. And, and it, it's the physically poor, the financially poor, that are, are usually in a much more mental framework to realize this. You know, they say, uh, they've done studies and, and, and a lot of people... Uh, realize their need for God in, in tragedy, in great desperate need, because it, it the physical reality of whatever it is we're struggling with helps us to see our spiritual need as well. And that's really what Jesus' emphasis is. If you understand just how spiritually needy you are, you're going to turn to the only one who can fulfill it. And he goes on from there. And the very next one is, Blessed are those who mourn. And I thought that was a weird one to go on to next. And I was like, why is, why is that one next? And when I began to think about the context of the Beatitudes and the groundwork for the entire Sermon on the Mount and the groundwork for his entire teaching ministry and this kingdom living that he's, he's come to usher in, he's come to bring sinners back to God. And, and the greatest uh, uh, result, the greatest enemy of, 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 of sin, the, gra- the greatest result of sin is death. And, and if the kingdom of God ultimately is here to reverse that, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if the very worst thing that could happen, which is death, is going to be reversed someday then all the other stuff is going to be reversed too. Bigotry, racism, hatred, pettiness, strife, malice, greed, all that other junk is going to be reversed as well. And in fact, the, the first one is, is a present tense. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom, not will be. Theirs is the But all the others are kind of future and they're reversed. They're uh, what, what we're expectantly awaiting, but yet what we're striving for at the same time and what God has done, this already not yet. And so death is no longer our enemy, friends. Death is defeated. And uh, though we may grieve, we grieve as those who have hope because death is no longer a, a concern. Because death is lost. And death is just the result of sin. And if Jesus has reversed that through his kingdom, he's reversed all the other things. And so that's, that's why he's come. To reverse the, the great tragedy of man that, that has resulted with the fall back in the garden. And they will be comforted. Blessed are, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And... Uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of personalities. <laughs> we have a lot of character, and we la- have a lot of uniqueness. And, and, and what's great is, although we're all supposed to be like Christ, God doesn't intend for us to rid ourselves of our uniqueness, of our personality, of our character, but to uh, conform to the image of Christ with that. And we're all going to remain unique and, and, and individuals and, and yet part of a family. And uh, not all of us come across as meek, though, I'll, I'll, I'll say. And, and I don't know about you, but I often have this tendency to read these Beatitudes and think a few of these apply a little bit more to me than others. And that's just wrong. 
You know, I, I sometimes look at the fruit of the Spirit that way. That's a little soapbox of mine. You know, and you, and you, you might hear someone talk, or you, you yourself might even think about them that way. Like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm really gifted with joy, you know, or, or peace, or, you know, patience. I, I've never heard anyone say that. But, uh, but yeah, you, you might, but it's, it, you look at the Greek, it's one fruit, singular. We only get one fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's all of that. This is one kingdom. (laughs) There aren't some meek people in the kingdom. There aren't some uh, comforted people in the kingdom. We're all comforted. We're all meant to be meek. And we all inherit the earth. And uh, uh, thank goodness it's the new heavens and the new earth, as John's uh, revelation tells us. I don't want to inherit this earth. It's passing away. (laughs) It's not worth inheriting. Um, And so... So these blessings are for anyone who enters the kingdom of heaven. And they're all for us. They're not some of those blessings are for some of the children and some are for other children. All of these blessings are for all of the kingdom. And blessed, and we're all meant to be meek. And, and even though some of us might have very take charge kind of attitudes, I think in, in, it's not about our attitude or our character or even our feeling it's about, do we put the kingdom of God first in our lives? Do we humbly submit to God's will in our lives, as he teaches us later in the chapter 6, to pray? And, and when we do that, in the world's eyes, we're meek. They're like, oh, they should be living for themselves. But we're like, no, God is more important than anything this world has to offer. And to the world, that looks meek. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly how you should look. I got a new phone, and it keeps closing on me, and I so apologize. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And of course, uh, you know, I don't want to gloss over these, and I feel like you could probably spend a week each on these and just meditate on them in the morning. Say, you know, Lord, help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, sometimes we know that's what we need to do, but, but maybe we wake up when we just don't feel like it. You know, and, and I know as a youth and as a young Christian in college, that's when I got saved, I really struggled with feelings. And a lot of times, and I wish someone had just taken me under their wing and said, you know what, feelings don't always represent reality. Sometimes you need to rebuke your own feelings. And so uh, Jesus is saying, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you ask me to forgive your sins and be your Lord and Savior, uh, then you have my righteousness. And that's all throughout Jesus' teaching, all throughout the New Testament, and that's exactly what we receive. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Uh, You know the the first and the second greatest commandments are kind of linked together. And, and uh, you know, the, the New Testament writers even uh, and Jesus even talk about how you can't do one without the other. You can't love God and hate your brother. You've got to do both. And, in fact, the, the parable of the unmerciful servant is, is one of my favorite parables. And uh, he just didn't get it. He's forgiven this... this uh, I just love the, just the enormity of this debt. It's, it's, he, he, he 
breaks down and begs the king for more time. But this debt is so great that he could have a hundred lifetimes and not pay it off. And so he's begging for more time when that won't get it done. And the king rightly knows what this man needs and forgives the whole debt. And then he turns around and does not forgive this pittance of a debt to another brother. And the mercy we receive uh, from God should shape us. And so these, these are, are kingdom character attitudes, kingdom character heart attitudes that God has to give us, but then we, we have to choose to live out each and every day, to live up to the standard that God calls us to. And he, sh- he tells us that we are to forgive uh, uh, so that we may receive God's forgiveness. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Again, that's the whole point of the whole kingdom. We are not at peace with God until we have Christ. And the whole point of the kingdom of God is to bring sinners back to Christ, to bring sinners back into the family of God, to make them children of God. And, and, and that's what Jesus is about. And, and from the sermon this morning, uh, the sent one uh, sends us. And I'm sorry, I, I got it close. And, and uh, that's what we're to be about, is, is the same mercy that we receive, we're supposed to tell others they can receive it too. And so blessed are those who... who uh, Give mercy, for they shall receive be excuse me, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> I mean, we understand that Jesus gives us a pure heart. Uh, you know, the the bride uh, imagery of that Jesus will present the church as a spotless and, and bride. And, and, and I, I constantly think, I'm not spotless, but we are in Christ. And I, I love the Mercy Me song, Faultless. Is that the name of it? Faultless? I, I think so. Anyway, but they pick up on that truth, that, that, that when we have Christ in our lives, even though we may not feel like it, even though we have a lot of sin in our past, we are forgiven. And we stand blameless before God. And, and I, I don't want to add any more to that. And, and I, I kick myself when I do. And, and, and uh, you know, I, and when I share stuff like this from the pulpit or f- from the class, people are like, oh, don't, don't, don't do that. You know, don't kick. And I was like, no, kick myself more. I, w- I want to live up to the holiness of God because that's what God calls us to do. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. We don't want people beating themselves up. Uh, but, but, you know, we don't always have to rush and, and soothe every wound. Uh, sometimes those wounds are there to remind us. But have you ever thought about seeing God someday? And I, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad that we have so many movies about Jesus. And, and I really want to know what he looks like someday. You know, and and I, I'm I'm gonna go over to the apostles because I don't even know what they look like. But when someone says, "Oh, that's that's John and James," there's Paul, I'll be like, "Is that is that really what Jesus looks like?" You know, and and they'll be like, "Yeah, that's what he looks like." And I'm like, "Oh," and I don't know why I'm trusting you when he said that's who he is. But this is a really serious, silly scenario. And will we see God? I I don't know. 
Uh, he is spirit. I, we'll see him in some way. I think we can't even conceive of how we're going to see him. But, but uh, as Paul says, uh, we see in a mirror dimly, but one day we'll see face to face. This is the kingdom that Jesus is calling us to and that we already have in our hearts. Blessed are the peace oh yeah Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven And so there's a lot of debate some people like in the beatitudes there because that really bookends it really nice but the next verse really sounds like it belongs as well you know but but you know I, I get wanting to have nice symmetry is starting with the kingdom of heaven and ending with the kingdom of heaven. But the whole thing is about the kingdom of heaven. And, and uh, uh, I think as you begin to let this shape you, as you begin to let the kingdom living, and, and, and you, you start to realize as you study the Sermon on the Mount that, that Jesus takes us to a whole other level, that not only could, could the Israelites not attain uh, perfection and, and false follow the law just in the the outward uh, uh, actions, but they weren't even close to the heart of the matter. And now Jesus is taking it to the heart. Not only should you not uh, uh, do bad things to your brother, but you shouldn't hate him in your heart. Not only should you you not commit adultery, but you shouldn't lust in your heart. And so Jesus is taking it to the level that that God wants his people to be uh, from the very start, but but, uh, we can't do that on our own. And as we begin to look at all the, these hard attitudes and these, these new uh, understandings of, of the laws that, that were pointing us to that all along, uh, and we begin to really live that out in our lives, you will be persecuted. Not if, but when. And blessed are you uh, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think this is just an encouragement uh, for the times when we're persecuted. That, that all the persecution that we may face as a result of following Christ won't compare to Christ himself. Won't compare to eternity with him. And what's this world got to offer anyway? It's, it's all fleeting and not lasting, and, and, and in the end, it's, it's actually decaying and heart squelching and killing and, and, and all that stuff. And if you, if you follow Jesus rightly, you will be persecuted. And, and I think it's, we lose some of the impact of being kind of blessed so materially in this culture. And I think our brothers and sisters who are less materially blessed poor in the rest of the world get this a whole lot better understand it a whole lot quicker and 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 realize that this world's got nothing to offer and and we need to realize that too and then finally kind of along the same lanes lines blessed are you when you revile when they others revile you and persecute you and, and utter all kinds of evil against uh, you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And, you know, if, if you really want to bookend the two kingdom of heavens, you could just say that last part's 
just a continuation of, of that one. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is kind of uh, thought-wise, it is. And so uh, I hope that I've, I've kind of laid down the groundwork. I, I know I, I haven't done it justice. Uh, you know, uh, I, I do encourage you, if, you know, read Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, very challenging. I, d- I didn't always agree with you, him, but uh, when he spoke about the word and he was right and I didn't like it, uh, I'd be like, okay, Lord, I need to change in my life. And, it, and it, it won't feel good, but you, you'll start to live more like Christ intended. You'll, you'll start to experience more joy, and you'll start to realize uh, how little this world has to offer. And, and so I believe, and I, I think I'm right, that, that these beatitudes that I'm so often in my own life tempted to just read, say, oh yeah, they're true, and keep on going... These are the groundwork for kingdom living. These are the heart attitude that that Jesus wants us to embrace and that in that we will be blessed. We will uh, get this. And so, you know, if someone says that be attitude, I really think they should be our attitudes. Because if we have Christ, these are already ours. They one day will be perfectly uh, complete and mature in heaven, but they're already ours. And, uh, and so it uh, doesn't sound as nice, and it doesn't work with that word beatitude, but, but they're the our attitudes. They're ours already. They're not something off. They're something that we can have, and, and, and we can pray for them, and, and we can let them shape us, and, and as, as we seek to... Uh, fulfill the kingdom because the kingdom of heaven is still at hand for those who do not know Christ.